0: show the great sports callers open think tank we are in the month of november college basketball is right around the corner we visited with uh, rage occasion women's basketball coach gary broadhead last week and now we are joined by rage occasion men's basketball coach bob marlin bob good morning man how are you
1: i'm great scott how are you
0: i'm doing well so you're you guys are 15 days away from tip-off, but I imagine with the off-season that uh, that <laughs> that was unlike any other. It probably feels like the uh, the longest wait ever because there had to be some moments, Bob, where you you had to wonder if you were even going to have a season this year.
1: Yeah, for sure. We're uh, someone asked me last night uh, what was the most. Uh... Important thing moving forward. And I said, Let's just get to the court. We just want to play games. We were talking about the schedule, but we want to get to the court. Uh, it's been a long off season, and our guys have fought through it pretty well. And uh, we're excited. Today will be practice number 20. Uh, we've got uh, 30 practices and 42 days to get ready for the opener on the 25th.
0: Bob, uh, I want to, you, you mentioned just getting here and just getting the games in. We've talked to the, the football coaches about COVID testing and how to deal with it. What are the the preparations and necessary steps you guys are required to take to, to do your best to prevent the spread of COVID and, and be able to play basketball games?
1: We we'll certainly try to adhere to all the university and uh, city and parish and and local protocols and health officials. What they tell us to do, we really – try to take pride in doing that and make good decisions, Scott. I think it's the main thing I, I told him yesterday after practice that we've done a really good job making good decisions, following our medical team and our athletic department and our administration, what they've asked us to do. Uh, but now we have to double down and press even harder because we're two weeks away and and we're, we're anxious to get to the court. So, Those are the things that we talk about, and then we've been testing our players weekly uh, since we came back to school almost uh, for the fall. And uh, starting in another week, we're going to amp that up to to three times per week and actually have a 9 o'clock Zoom meeting with the ADs and senior women administrators today and the basketball coaches to go over those protocols and make sure that we're all on the same page for our conference games
0: Bob Marlin, our guest, speaking of, of conference games, how much of uh, the coaches' input determined the shift in the schedule, the, the Friday-Saturday setup where you're playing just the teams in your division um, at home and on the road, back-to-back games Friday-Saturday. What kind of input did you and the, and the other coaches in the league have?
1: We had a lot of input. For once, Scott, we met uh, by Zoom in April, May, uh, and then, then again, just Last month, our coaches had two separate meetings before we met with the ADs, and we hashed some things out and went over this. This was discussed back in late April on a conference call with all the coaches and Keith Gill, uh, the commissioner, that this could be a possibility that we would play east-west and play four times depending on the COVID situation. And uh, I brought up that I had done that previously when I coached at Pensacola Junior College. It has some challenges, but it also, uh, we felt like this time it was the right thing to do. So at the end of the day, we had three options. One schedule came out, as you saw, it was taken off our website. Then another one was proposed that was good, and then we proposed the Western Division, Eastern Division, Division Only play to the athletic directors, and uh, it was accepted. Uh, and so for the first time, really in a long time, every everybody's on the same page. We've been on the same page with the ADs before in the spring meetings, and then the CEOs would do something totally different.
0: Bob Marlin, re Education, head basketball coach, I guess. Well, um, everyone on the same page with this one. And in terms of COVID aside, just in terms of from a matchup standpoint, what I'm interested on your take of back-to-back games against the same opponent uh, two days in a row. What, what's the positive and what's the negative from that?
1: Well, the positives is you involve one less team. For example, we go play at Arlington on a Thursday night. We would leave Wednesday night after practice and, and travel to Arlington, play those guys uh, Thursday and then Friday morning, after breakfast and film, we'd hop on the bus and drive about four hours to San Marcos. So, you're in, in, in practice, prepare to play those guys Saturday, and then come home. But you're involving one less team by playing back to back. It's also saves on travel. It's just more uh, less risk of something going wrong when you do that. That's that's. Uh, one positive thing, that I think we are doing, and then the challenging thing, it's hard to play two games within a 24-hour period. And we are going to play the home games at 6 o'clock, and the Saturday games, the Friday night games will be at 6, and then on uh, Saturday the games will be no later than 4 o'clock, Scott. So you're going to have to have two tips and in less than 24 hours.
0: Yeah, I mean, from a health standpoint, I imagine that's got to be the top concern. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. You're trying to get the season in. But I imagine – and look, that's that's not uncommon when you get to conference tournament time. Things like that could happen. But consistently, I guess it increases the odds of, you know, just more health risk.
1: Right. And we did – did not build in time like football had some open day and things they do. They obviously play one game a week. Ours will be more challenging. And there's a chance we could lose two to four games uh, along the way if something tests or uh, it comes back positive. So it's going to be a challenge for our our league. And everyone's working together. The conference has done a good job. and, And our university's done a fantastic job, football and the other sports. They've had a lot of success so far uh, without missing practice time
0: or games. Uh, Rage Occasion Head basketball coach Bob Marlin is our guest. It's ESPN 1420. I'm Scott Prather. Um, Speaking of health, uh, Bob, what can you say about a couple of guys on the team that it it appears they're going to miss some time early in the season? What can you tell us about that?
1: Well, we had uh, two players that – had practiced this this summer and fall and we're doing fantastic and then had had some pain i guess two weeks ago and uh, went to the to the hospital with them and met with the doctors a couple times and they decided to to uh, have a surgery again and they're going to be out for a limited amount of time that's colby and durie they've had issues last year and weren't able to play in conference play but this year looks like they'll be back for conference play, and that's one thing that's encouraging is uh, they might miss uh, November, December, and get, get them back in January or early February. That's the goal, and, and have those guys ready for our conference tournament. So uh, maybe they can give us the, the difference uh, with their knowledge and, and their abilities when they come back and their leadership, when they come back to – help us finish off conference and uh, make a run at the conference tournament championship in Pensacola during March
0: and with not having those guys early on how does that alter your rotation I mean I imagine this year coach there's a unprecedented you're gonna you're gonna be using potentially lots of different rotations uh, based on who's available but let's say you've got you know your roster intact and they're all healthy for the most part we uh, game one with the exception of, of, of Kobe and Dury what is your? What do you imagine, envision your your starting five and rotation looking like today?
1: Well, we've got uh, guards back that that played well last year, and Cedric and Malik. Uh, you know those guys are going to be up there, and then we've added. Uh, Dugay did a good job for us last year, and has really come into his own and had a great summer and fall. And feel like he's ready to have a breakout year. It's the first time in his career that he's, he's played two years in a row at the same place. So uh, he feels comfortable, and I, I'm looking for big things from him. Uh, a couple of new guys, um, Brian A.U., uh, transfer from Ranger Junior College, was an All-American there and a really smart player. That uh, brings energy and is all about the team, can score, does a lot of things that impact winning. Uh, uh, Theo Abuka is a young man that is 6'11", has a seven 7'6'' wingspan and uh, he has been outstanding all summer and fall and really feel like we've upgraded at that position. So those guys right there jump to mind uh, when, when you talk about if, if we had to play today, Scott. One thing that we talked about uh, as a department, and I talked to Dr. Maggard about this quite a bit. But if we are going to play, I think you have to have seven players in order to play a game. That was a cutoff that we've talked about as a league. And last year, we played with seven or eight guys many times uh, due to all the injuries we had had last year. So we got some experience doing this, and I feel good about it. Uh, You know the challenge will be playing back-to-back games within again 24-hour period, 22-hour period, and you're going to have to to make sure that uh, you're rested and and ready to go.
0: Bob Marlin, our guest, when you got the news that the NCAA was um, going to grant players, uh, basketball players, an extra year of eligibility, uh, what were you surprised for it against it? What are your thoughts on it?
1: No, I wasn't surprised at all after what they had done last year and, and uh, going into fall, fall and winter sports for this year. And uh felt like it was the right thing to do. I think most of the time the NCAA does keep the student athlete in mind and on their decision-making process, and I thought that was a good one to, to help uh, these young student athletes that are in college uh, to kind of take some time and, and be able to make good, strong decisions, sound decisions about their future uh, as young adults.
0: Have you talked to any of your players about it yet?
1: Yeah, we talked to them uh, and had some initial conversation with those guys and to and have a pretty good read on it. I really like our group, and you, know, you have a chance to bring some of them back, and that, that's going to be even better.
0: In uh, eligibility wise, I know there's you know been some guys that you guys were working on, and granted, where where is in terms of your roster, Is anyone currently on the roster that's not eligible?
1: We're still working on uh, Jacoby Gordon, who transferred from Cal, and and uh, trying to get a waiver for his eligibility. I think ninety percent of the cases have gone through, and uh, we're going to have to see what happens with this one Uh, and we've been working hard on that but um, from the rest of the standpoint we've got a a group that's ready to play and one thing about eligibility Scott you know Kobe Julian uh, got his year back from last year so he is technically a freshman and now he's going to be a freshman again next season uh, possibly so uh, plan on having Kobe around for a while, yeah. and uh, hopefully everything's going to be taken care of this time. And he's going to get on the court. I know our fans are anxious to see him. He's a really good player. Uh,
0: looking at the Sun Belt this year, in general, Coach, um, it's it's I'm so used to looking at just the entire conference, and I, I, I'm still going to do that, but obviously focus more on just the West Division the way the schedule's set up this year. How do you feel about the conference this season? From a competitive standpoint. I
1: think, we've got a, I think we've got a good league, Scott. We have uh, lost some players from the league. They're outstanding guards from several teams coming back. Uh, the poll's going to come out, I believe, tomorrow. Uh, and the coaches' poll, which is always the most accurate poll. And then also the, the all-conference selections. But we've got very good players back. Most of them are guards. And I feel like uh, with the turnover that we did have, that it, it's going to be wide open. And play in the East-West, it'll go back to the days of Hot Springs where the top two teams on each side will get a bye in your division, and then you will go into uh, the tournament at Pensacola on March 5th, and uh, three will play six from the different divisions, four will play five, and that's the way we'll construct our tournament. But I think we've got a good league. I think we'll be picked up in the upper half, uh, and I'm excited to, to get out there and play.
0: Bob Marlin, our guest for education, head basketball coach. I'm Scott Prather. It's ESPN 1420. Coach, you've been doing this a long time. You have 536 wins uh, lifetime, and uh, started as an assistant coach back in the 80s. In all your years of coaching, have in terms of roster turnover, is this the most this year, or have you had other years that were similar?
1: Well, as a junior college coach, you lose half your team every year at least, so that, that's probably the most, but this has turned into that, Scott, in a way, and it's even going to get more challenging next year with the uh, immediate eligibility for transfers, and you're going to have to recruit your team, you're going to have to uh, recruit other players to come into your team and your program, and it's will we'll certainly be a challenge moving forward, but uh, we, we like the group that we have now and we've really assembled a, a good one and always ready. I mean, recruiting is something that goes on every day and you always have to be prepared. Uh, but it's really affecting the high school players too. And a lot of the, the, the players in our state, even that are good players are, are going to have to wait and see what happens to, to determine their future.
0: Do you like, I, I get where the transfer rule's coming from. I know why, you know, in in terms of the day and age we live in. But obviously, it's changed a lot. And as a result, I'm sure it's evolved Uh, recruiting. And anybody that's been in the coaching profession in college for a long time has had to kind of evolve with it. Do you have a preference? I mean, do you prefer the way it was maybe 20 years ago to now? Or do you like the current setup?
1: Well, it doesn't matter which one. It, it is what it is today. Uh, I, I certainly learned the coaching profession, uh, re- recruiting, uh, high school and, and junior college players, and and then a little bit later, the prep schools came into the mix and. And foreign players came into the mix, and then you have uh, transfers. Which, when I started, Scott, back in the '80s, if if you were a transfer, they, we used to have a saying that 90% of transfers never worked out. And the thought among coaches was, if you get beat out at school A, then you transfer to school B, you know. And and that still is into play today, for sure, because uh, we live in a instant gratification society it seems like and 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 sometimes guys don't want to stick it out uh in their best interest but uh it's here and it's going to continue to happen i I like being able to take a transfer i believe if you uh vet them well and understand them that they can come in and really have success and i mean i look back as uh Closest, Jakeen and Gantt, was a guy that we brought in that uh, has been tremendous, had a tremendous senior year for us and, and uh, helped us dominate the league and win the conference as a as a junior. And we've got guys on this team this year that are going to come in and impress as well. So it's all about the young man that transfers. ESPN
0: 1420, uh, you mentioned Jakeen and Gantt, and uh, I know that he, um, he was playing professionally this past year um, in, uh, I think – the Korean basketball league if i'm not mistaken is where he is now but how how you know i, I will get to elfred in a minute and and him going into the hall of fame i know you were at the ceremony last month but how much do you keep up with your guys um that are you know that are currently playing i mean i know you keep up with a lot of your former players bob i guess what i'm asking is follow like their stats online or what they're doing in terms of whatever league they're playing
1: in well first of all with the covid it was really a good Opportunity at, when we were at home a lot of the summer to reach out and, and talk to those guys and follow guys, and then uh, with, with the things that were going on in our country, uh, I've revisited with several players from different classifications that I've, I've coached here, especially here, and tried to get their take on some things to you know to listen and learn and lead about the situation and, and make sure that. Uh, we were going about things the right way and, and make sure that we were treating and sensitive to the needs of some of our, our former players. Uh, but I do follow those guys. Yesterday, Mason uh, O'Connor was at practice, and uh, he's about to wrap up an NBA, and he's waiting on a, on a job to hear back if he got a job. So we're, we're excited about Mason. It was good to see him yesterday. And uh, you, you mentioned Jakeenan. Uh You know, his teammate, Scott, is Sean Long. So those guys are on the same team in Korea, and you think it's not a small world. Uh, two, two Cajun greats right there that uh, both have, have had a cup of coffee in the NBA, and now they're, they're playing together in Korea, and they'll come back and have another shot at it. But, but I text with Frank, Bryce, Jonathan Stowe was at practice last week, uh, Jay Wright, uh, Steve Ronkoski. All these guys are Casey Shepard, Brian Bommeloo, Kevin Brown, uh, we've got a lot of players that we keep in contact with, and it's always good to follow their success.
0: Good stuff. Uh, and Alfred, you know, he um, went to the Rage Occasion Hall of Fame, and now he's going to be going into the Louisiana S- Sports Hall of Fame. And <clears throat> it's crazy, Bob, that you know now now with the Knicks, but how much Alfred's done, I mean, he's only 26, you know? I mean, he's he's not going to be 27 till I think, you know, mid to late February, so... For him to still have accomplished all that and still only be twenty six, I got to remind myself sometimes of his youth.
1: Yeah, it's uh, incredible. We when we signed him, he weighed about one hundred and forty seven pounds and six uh, two. But you could tell when he came that first day of summer practice in June, Scott, that he was different. You could just tell, and it was in his head and his heart, uh, and. I was listening to a podcast the other day about Tom Brady and didn't didn't really realize that he had three sisters growing up and he was the baby and that was the same situation with Alfred and I, I think there's something to that uh, with the right parents like Alfred had that really helped him and of course he he got his uh, love and kindness from Danielle and, and then Alfred Senior uh, has has pushed him to be the player that he is and the competitor that he is but what a great story for him. It was fantastic that, that uh, Ken Myers and our Hall of Fame elected to put him in. And it worked out perfect with the timing, Scott, as he was asked to go in last year, but he was with the Knicks and homecoming is always late. It's usually in, in November, October, and they start practice in September. So uh, I told Ken a year ago, he's not at in New Orleans. He can't just hop in a car and ride over. He's in New York. It's going to take some planning. And it didn't happen, and this time with the the uh, NBA start being delayed, it was an opportunity for him to come over, and and uh, we asked, and he said, "Hey, let's let's go for it." And it was a great ceremony, and certainly proud of him and what he's accomplished at at a young age. Tremendous person.
0: Yeah, and and he's always seemed like um, uh, on the court an ultimate competitor, but off the court, uh, very very empathetic. You know, engaging, um, soft-spoken, but like just uh, wanting to, just wanting to make people happy. You know that that's that's definitely in him.
1: Yes, and and uh, we'll never forget where he came from. And as as we said earlier, he gets the uh, on-court fire from his father, and he gets the uh, off-the-court kindness from uh, his mother, Danielle. Yeah.
0: And, and having older sisters, he and Tom Brady. I myself am the uh, only boy that had older sisters, so I feel like I've reached the same heights as those two guys for the record,
1: Coach. Well, that's good <laughs> stuff there, Scott. I, I'm glad you shared that, uh, but I, I do think there's something to that. You got everybody on the same page. You got a strong family, and uh, you know, it's every situation is mm-hmm. different, but I thought Alfred's was definitely unique, and Uh, the way he was uh, brought up and then, you know, gave up football to play basketball. I don't think he really wanted to tell his dad that, but he had always played up as a youth and, uh, you know, worked on his offhand and and, it really developed some skill level that uh, carried over and translated once he got into college and, and, you know, trying out for the U-19 team with USA and being the only mid-major in their camp and then winding up starting every game with lottery players, he played himself into the lottery. So you talk about a guy that took advantage of an opportunity. That's, that's Alfred right there.
0: Yeah. I mean, when he's on that team, I remember with like Marcus Smart and Aaron Gordon and Jalil Okafor and, and Stokes, it was like he belongs. Um, and you know, as a, as a as a guy that, you know, had a great family and, and a lot of sisters, I imagine now uh, having a, a young girl himself, that definitely helps. I know for me, having sisters and now having two young girls, I have three kids, but two young girls, it definitely helps me uh, what I'm, I'm trying to figure some things out when it comes to uh, raising girls versus raising my boy for sure.
1: Yeah, there's nothing like having a child, is it? It, it really changes and put things in perspective and Uh, is a tremendous experience for all involved
0: no question about it Uh, I hope your family is 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 doing good as well coach Bob Marlin has been our guest Rage of Cajun basketball Uh, if you go to uh, com, you can learn more about um, tickets and things like that once they get to home games it'll be limited capacity there'll be a lot of social distancing as as Dr. Brian Maggard said last Friday on my show when I was asking him about it but uh, but with all of that Bob Appreciate you joining us. Thanks for giving us updates on the roster, the schedule, some perspective. Final question. When was the last time you had some good catfish?
1: <laughs> oh, you wouldn't believe it, Scott. You want to guess? Last night? Saturday night. There you go. Saturday night uh, in Iuka, Mississippi. Uh, I drove to see my mother and dad this weekend and and uh, was able to, to, to go – and my favorite place was shut down, uh, but I, I picked up a new place, and it was outstanding. So uh, Saturday night I was able to have uh, 3 whole catfish, and uh, it was outstanding.
0: If I'm ever in the, the Delta area, of the Mississippi, I don't know that I would be, but if I ever am, Bob, regardless of where I'm at in life, I'm calling you and I'm getting a catfish recommendation for the record. Just be ready.
1: I, I, I'll have a few, that's for sure.
0: Bob, appreciate the time, man. We'll uh we'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks, Scott. You got it.